Welcome to the Truth Lover video podcast presented by Love and Truth Party. I am your host, Will Pye, author, speaker, transformational coach, workshop and retreat leader, and founder of Love and Truth Party. You can find out more about me at www.willpie.com. Love and Truth Party is a self-organizing, self-replicating community and movement of love and awakening, a wisdom school facilitating health, healing and happiness, liberating humanity from the matrix of fear and self-loathing. Find us and join our mailing list at www.loveandtruthparty.org. We exist to empower the deep realization and integration of unitive consciousness of one human being and to inspire action in the world from this clarity as new earth ninjas, our playful avatar. We do so in the spirit of play, holding the paradox that all is well, even and including all collective crises, while simultaneously being moved to act to lessen suffering and serve the creation of conscious culture and society. Our projects include distributing a million love letters from the universe, inviting people to receive the love and care in these and within the happiness hacks, including the seven questions and other free resources, plus our meditation, gratitude, cancer and depression online courses found on loveandtruthparty.org. We believe that in giving we receive and we invite you to pay forward the value you receive in this podcast by sharing, liking, subscribing for more great content, leaving a review on iTunes, getting your love letters from the website, following up on social media and or supporting us at loveandtruthparty.org forward slash support. I'm really excited to be joined today by our guest, Kim Wilde. Kim is a freelance film and TV professional, social entrepreneur, Reiki healer, and stills photographer. 25 years experience as a script supervisor in international, commercial, and feature film, Kim has worked with some of the most influential and innovative directors and crews. Through founding her social enterprise, The Love More Movement, Kim brings a passionate call to action for individuals and communities to engage life with compassion, love, and understanding. Kim has developed a personal grace of presence with a firm approach to all she does as a mentor, coach, and workshop facilitator, working in the areas of divine masculine and feminine, positive self-awareness, and the power of love and self-mastery. Kim is led by a high level of both personal integrity and social conscience. The capture the soul of the moment perspective Kim presents with her photography includes awe-inspiring wilderness and nature scenes, unique onset portraiture and outdoor events and celebrations. Kim has the ability for shooting people in a way that allows them to see the true beauty and essence of themselves, often a perspective they do not see themselves. Publication of her eagerly anticipated photographic collection focused on life behind the scenes on film sets is imminent. The book celebrates a plethora of intriguing characters, breathtaking scenery, and unbelievable situations international crews find themselves in whilst working on their craft. Kim is a compassionate, humble, and dedicated leader in her own right, and is engaged and committed to delivering positive global change through her work with organizations such as the Love More Movement, Extinction Rebellion, and the My Life Project. The highest aspiration Kim has is to help support and encourage humankind towards love, compassion, and mutual understanding. Wow, I'm inspired just reading those words. And uh, just th thank you so much for joining me today, Kim. It's a real pleasure and honor. I'm grateful you giving your time in this way. 
Thank you, Will, and thank you for creating such an amazing platform for us to come together. It's it's certainly a joy. And we were chatting a little bit just now about what sort of uh, title or topic we might frame our free-ranging dialogue with. And we came across uh, awakening, universality, and the uniqueness. So there's this sort of broad awakening. We were talking about getting up early in the morning as one aspect of that, but also awakening to our divinity, to consciousness, and how there's a universality to that experience happening right now on planet Earth, particularly with all that's happening with the pandemic. And then there's our unique experience as well that's um, you know as unique as our fingerprints and, and, and irises and and so on. So I wonder, you're in South Africa. It might be, a, I think I think you're the first guest I've had on who, who's in South Africa, um, one of the most beautiful countries that I've ever visited. Perhaps you can speak to us just a little bit as to what that means right now for you in South Africa, awakening the universality and the uniqueness. What, what's that looking like for you in, in, in Cape Town right now? Well, well, I think it's it's been a really interesting time, I, well, for everyone, um, but especially here in South Africa, you know, a lot of countries, their governments have been able to offer a certain amount of support. And we have a lot of corruption in our governments, as I think everybody knows about. I mean, it has been false. What's happened is the money hasn't been able to move from when it comes in and it's supposed to be donated to causes, to feeding people, to all of those kind of things. And a lot of it has, has just disappeared into the matrix, um, which is really disturbing and leaving a lot of people without and starving. The interesting thing and the swing up of that, that situation is that so many people have stepped up and are doing donations of food and creating food kitchens and going out over lockdown. There were people that were putting together parcels, food parcels and distributing them in, in the poorer areas because there was just no support coming in. So as much as it was like, oh, you know, lockdown and we'll, we'll get food to the, the masses, you're looking at like huge, massive um, townships of people living in really, really, really close proximity to one another. You know, some of them sleeping four in a, in a tiny little shack and saying, OK, now you must just lock down. Bearing in mind as well that in these situations, they also don't have like running water and they very much, uh, um, you know, day to day, like um, hand to mouth kind of situation. It's not that thing of like, oh, well, we'll just buy groceries for the month and mm. we'll be OK. You know, they kind of get paid on a weekly basis and then have to kind of make do with that, that money. So now you stop that flow. So. It was in one way devastating to see and in another way the inspiration and the beauty of that was how many people came up and stood for others and you know were so selfless in what they could do and and how they could support one another so i think that for me was just so beautiful to watch in its own way so it sounds like there's this sort of very unique and specific immensity of of challenge for communities and people that literally cannot uh, socially distance or, or, or lock down in the way that say I might in in Melbourne Australia you know I can as you say I can buy groceries in, in in bulk I can go home I can even if I'm living in a, an apartment with someone else I can minimize my contact with them so there's all sorts of options that are available to me 
that aren't available to the majority of people in South Africa. And yet there's some beauty emerging from that in terms of how people are stepping up to, to, to look after each other. Is, is that new for you in terms of what you're observing in South Africa? Or is it an, an expansion of an existing movement? You've got the, the Love More movement that, if I understand it correctly, it's about putting our talk into action and, and, and walking that talk. Yeah, look, I think, I think, you know, Africa is not for sissies. And I think people that are committed to living here and have, have lived here their whole lives are very much a part, aware of that and, and also a part of wanting to help one another. You know, at the same time, like now that that's kind of just passed and we're out of lockdown, we're actually in a really good place. Um, we're watching globally as other countries are going into lockdowns again for the second and third time is even. And we're actually have just opened up and our borders are just opening up and there's, there's, uh, there's a kind of movement that's happening. However, you can still see the ripple effect of all of this because so many people are still not working mm. and, you know, street corners now are full of people standing and it's, it's, you know, before, in a, in an odd way, it was predominantly, you would see um, people of color. Now you're seeing, Black people of color, colored, white, black, you're seeing a wider range of people. So it brings to you very, very clearly that there's kind of um, a need for people to be looked after out there. So you're seeing that, more people. That like need when is I'm across social groups and ethnic groups? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's become now, you know, nobody is untouched. Mm. You know, before it was kind of like if you, you, there was this. I think it, it was an assumption that only people of color were struggling and that white people had it okay. And that is something that is very much a part of South Africa as well from our you know, history of apartheid kind of thing. So now you're seeing so many people and, it, and, it, and it's, it's a strange thing because it's been there for so long. Um, I actually had a conversation with somebody the other day and it was really interesting what they said. They turned around and they said, you know, I've seen black people standing on street corners for so long. And it's kind of like you, you, you numb it out. You kind of just, you, 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 because you, you're going to be so affected if you're seeing it every time and you're passing money out every time. There's only so much you can give in a day. If you're giving like a five rand coin at every street corner, you buy the standing out there. And, and, and he was saying that it's really striking him now when he's seeing white people, because it's so close to him. It's like, that is, is a, uh, two seconds away from him being on that in that mm -hmm. position whereas we're before it's like oh well we're aware that the vast majority here are black people that aren't um, in positions of like financial security when he sees white people it suddenly feels like closer to him which I found such an interesting revelation for him I can I can understand that and it feels like one of the undeniable realities of the pandemic whatever perspectives we take is its universality it's affecting people of all ethnicities i think antarctica is the only country in the world that doesn't have or the only continent in the world rather where there isn't any spread of covid19 other than that there is this universal experience of this respiratory condition that's uh, clearly massively challenging for many people that contract it and that's happening in all ethnicities, all continents, all countries, with great varyings of degree at the same time. So we were talking about the 
universality of awakening. So on the one hand, we awaken to universal consciousness, we awaken to this um, unity of being. And at the same time, that awakening will express specifically through each individual's nervous system and each individual's karma, we could say, or, or, or life purpose. And that just feels like something extraordinarily juicy and full of potential for humanity as, as a whole to be in this universal and yet somehow unique experience at once. Yeah, well, I feel it's, it's a, a, for the first time ever, we have a global unification. Hmm. It's like really touching us all on, on whatever level that is, but it's across the board. If you have a conversation with anyone, it's like, how is it affecting you? Because I know it's affecting you. Just how hmm. is that for you right, right exactly. now? Yeah. So we can suddenly have this relation and, and, and nobody kind of feels like they are, every country has its challenges every individual you know whether they're in a in a, a um, healthy position or not they are able to they can be touched by this so it's something we can all relate to and we can now relate to one another on a level that we didn't have to be able to relate before you know like if somebody was speaking to me about say something in in, in australia i would be like oh okay and i'd be listening and i'd be gathering information about it and going wow like that's super interesting and i'm learning about it whereas now when they're talking about something, I'm like, yeah, no, I know. I also get that. This is how I, it is for me, you know? So you're able to kind of really come together on a level we didn't before. Right, and, and there's a learning in that, I sense, because we see, oh, that's how that country naturally responded, or that's how that country was unable to respond. And actually reveals both some of the capacities of infrastructure and the capacities of government, but also the capacities of that group, that collective, consciousness so the let's say i'm watching i just watched this documentary about comparing south korea's response compared to the us and it's clear that the more inclined towards the collective good thinking of the the eastern consciousness to just to speak in very generic broad terms and the more individualistic my my rights rather than responsibilities of of the of the western consciousness again these are broad generalizations, though I hasten to add there's plenty of social research and data to support that is actually a valid, observable, provable distinction between the Eastern mind and the Western mind. And we, and we see that like playing out in the pandemic. The, the movement to take action for me as an individual to benefit the whole in South Korea seems to have been very much more readily embraced and enacted Whereas in the US, there's a, an opposite sort of resistant. Um, I'm not going to curtail my freedoms or sometimes for a very good reason, perhaps, in, in order to serve the, the collective, which is kind of fascinating to, to see. Well, I think it's such a, uh, like you say, it's a fascinating uh, topic because the, the one part is, is almost giving up your individual need for survival and kind of trying to come together as a collective. How can we work together to to do this and I think what happened for us in South Africa in the very beginning was you know like we had a hard lockdown we were like one of the countries that were went into the hardest lockdown in the mm. very beginning and I think it was when such was a that? shock back in, but back in March or it was end of March in March I'd actually just gone to a festival um, called Bazique Festival and it was this coronavirus and how it was affecting the rest of the world and you know oh, it's obviously got to land here in um in south africa it's just a question of time and it was like the party the festival had also put up these banners and it was like the last um, party on earth 
because <laughs> it was like that thing of, oh, what happens if we go into lockdown? <laughs> so true to South African uh, humor, people were standing next to it going like, hey, like last party on earth. Um, <laughs> and it was also it was also very interesting to, to see, like I've been doing these kind of festivals, um, these like conscious co- connection festivals for, for over 20 years and seeing the tribe coming together. And then when you see somebody, we're having these conversations, well, it's, it's very much awareness of this Corona and, you know, we need to be aware of how we're treating each other. And then seeing somebody and going, like you, your, your natural instinct is to go like this and then wanting to be respectful and go, are we, uh, and then people just going, we're hugging because if we're going out, we're going out loving. And it, it, it was really special to see that, you know, there, there was such a kind of like, okay, we're going to have to get this in now because if we shut down, we're not going to have this. And for me, that has been the opposite side of uh, the coin and where the negative um, sometimes comes in and I'm, I'm fighting against. And that's that disconnect, you know, that thing of um, even the wording, social distancing. I'm so opposed to it. I'm opposed to social distancing. Call it safety distancing, not social distancing. I don't want to be like socially disconnected from another. That's, it goes against my whole <laughs> like love war movement, you know. <laughs> it's an unfortunate languaging, isn't it? it? It's straight out of 1984 in terms of the sort of uh, double speak, um, which it feels like a, a problem of much of the way of responding to the pandemic is little mistakes like that, like social distancing, you know, staying apart keeps us together. It's like, well, we know that's not actually true. It really doesn't. And we know that our being connected in intimate relating with other human beings is essential to our well-being, to our health, including our immune system response. Our psychoneuroimmunological capacity is enhanced through hugging, through having a sense of being connected and belonging with others and so on. So it's no mere... Um, personal dissatisfaction to to strip that away from a culture or a society or a community at a time of there being a virus around that we want to overcome, that we want to ensure each individual is robustly able to um, have that virus come into their system and process it and be fine and, and not be a source of transmission for others. And that sort of detail seems to be completely lost at a public health level, even though the value of intimate human relating being the biggest indicator of health outcomes. And there's a lot of research to support that in longitudinal studies above anything else, above anything else. So from my perspective, it feels very much that there's so much ignorance in the public health response, whether that be the the local stuff happening here in Victoria, which has been a lot of nonsense. Um, For example, checkpoints, where no one's checking any temperatures, wow. you can actually see the checkpoint yeah. coming and turn around. So if you are, uh, I don't know, not doing the right thing or you've got a fever and you don't want to be, you can just turn around. So it's like, what's the point of that? Curfews. What's the point of curfews? What the hell has that got to do with stopping the spread of a virus? Yeah. So it's creating this really interesting situation. On the one hand, I... Personally, I think like anyone would wish to be communicating in a way that serves the collective well-being. And yet there are actions being taken by our local government, our state government and federal government, which are clearly 
nonsensical, lacking any public health rationale, mm. and having negative effects upon people's well-being and health. Um, that's quite a paradox. That's quite a, a koan, if you like, a, a Zen koan to how 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 to to be with that. I'm I'm wondering is is there a similarity in South Africa? On the one hand, you had this hard lockdown, so there's some positives or some decisive action was taken. But I'm hearing as well that there was this lack of money actually flowing down to people that need it as well. Well, we had a, a couple of the challenges, and our hard lockdown went into the fact that you could only go out for um, essentials. Okay, everybody was so many. Um, is they banned alcohol sales and they banned um, cigarette sales. So when you think about that, it's like you're now starting to mess with people's rights. So you're saying we're doing this and you're doing it under the guise of it's for your own good. It's for the health. And, you know, the, the, the flip side of that coin was that there was a lot of corruption going on within government. And there were some government officials that were actually bringing in black markets, cigarettes and alcohol and actually selling that. So you kind of have this whole thing where the powers that be. And if we, we think about the general idea of a government is to look after its people. So you then have the belief that they are doing it for the good of the country. And suddenly the very people that are putting in these laws are actually breaking them on a, on a very crazy, in a crazy way to make money off people's desperation for the cigarettes. You know, you can't just like, you know, I'm not a smoker myself, but you can't suddenly say to somebody, you have to quit smoking now. It's like there's a whole world of pain there for that person. You know, they smoke for whatever reason they do. And you're just asking them to let that go. It's, it's kind of quite a, quite a hard hit. Mm -hmm. So there was that, that happening. And then there was these promises of uh, food parcels to the communities, to the townships. And that just didn't happen. And, you know, with, with the lockdown came also what a lot of people don't realize is a lot of these schools, um, the, you know, the, the schools and the townships and that the kids going to school, it's the, it's the one time, well, it's the only time during the day sometimes that some of them get a, a proper meal. Mm. So now you close those schools and all of those children are not getting food. You're taking away the, the means to support themselves from the parents. How are the parents going to get like food home? So, and, and at the same time, it wasn't like the lockdown, it, the, the president gave a, an address and said, um, on Friday, we're locking down. And I think this was on the ooh, Sunday. He said, from next Friday, we're locking down. So get yourselves ready. Of course, a massive body of people got in taxis and went off to the Eastern Cape. So if there was anything that was happening here, they were just taking it with them to these beautiful rural areas that don't have strong hospitals and, you know, facilities to be able to, to cope with that kind of thing. And it was also under the guise of, we need to be ready. We need to get hospitals up and we need to make sure that our healthcare workers are ready for the situation. If we do have the breakdown, like it has been happening around the world, and we're going to lock our borders to stop, you know, anybody coming in that might be bringing coronavirus from other countries. So, you know, it did kind of have this thing and we, our curve, we, and then of course the president, extended and extended and extended and no food was being seen so that was when that desperation started to come about and people started to to get really thing there was there was a lot of rioting and there was you know bottle stores were hit 
<laughs> it was it was quite crazy here for a while you know you kind of didn't want to be out in certain areas kind of going like it's not going to be safe not that you were allowed but we even weren't we weren't even allowed to go and exercise hmm. well that i haven't heard that in any uh lockdown protocol so exercising yeah. wasn't we were allowed, not allowed but, out hmm. to exercise outside that seems uh, especially crazy. We were talking about the, the health. It does seem extreme. I mean, the health necessity of human connection is well established and proven. And of course, the health necessity for mental and physical well-being of exercise is well accepted, such that here, even within a very rigorous lockdown in Victoria, you were allowed to go out for a, an hour of exercise, they then change it to two hours. Um, the curfew meant that shift workers couldn't exercise because they weren't able to go out when they would usually exercise. So lots of small problems, but of course, any nationwide or community-wide policy is going to have pockets that haven't been thought mm. through or they haven't considered how they affect. But it, it's really interesting hearing you speak to, you said Africa isn't for sissies. I thought that was a rather nice way of putting it because I've spoken to my friends in America, in my family in the UK, and of course my community and friends here in Australia. And it's really interesting having that insight into what it looks like in a country like South Africa, where it's not just that people can't, you know, we, we had um, our, our version of craziness in Melbourne was people panic buying toilet roll, you know, getting their trolley full with enough toilet roll to survive the next six months as if a as if it was going to run out and b as if toilet roll was somehow essential um you wonder sort of what these people were doing with it but clearly in your country you're talking about riots you're talking about people actually not having access to food you're talking about poverty being exacerbated for huge numbers of people and and yet also uh, some degree of community response where people are stepping in where the government is unable or, or, or failing to provide food parcels. And I know in, in my short time in South Africa, I observed a fair bit of that where community leaders of uh, varying ethnicities would be you know, focused on taking care of those immediate needs of, of, of food and shelter. Is, is that, I mean, what's, what, what does that look like for the Love More movement? I want to I like hear, hear for you what, the love more movement is all about because i feel an energetic resonance with love and truth party and love more movement and its values and its principles and what it's looking to bring through and i'd, I'd love to hear like what either relating to the love more movement or just in general like what for you is it to bring more love and compassion and understanding into the world in general and in a time such as this, of this great sort of universal uh, crisis and awakening? Um, thanks for asking about that. The, the Love More movement has been a passion project of mine that I started multiple years ago, and um, I'm so passionate about it. I even tattooed it wow. so that that becomes my greeting when I see people. It's mm. like, yeah, love more. Like that's the, it's, um, it's both the confrontational greeting. and loving um, at the same time. <laughs> well, you know, we're not doing this, we're doing this, you know, so it comes from a... <laughs> Love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think the the whole uh, sort of feeling behind uh, love more and the idea of it was to to bring more love and compassion um, to to into the world for one another, uh, for ourselves, because we, we I felt like we had become so adrift from each other and understanding 
another person's pain or the, you know, like walking in another person's shoes, like what does that look like and how can we help each other? And again, you know, I've, I've worked with organizations like um, the My Life Project, which is helping street kids bridge from getting off the streets and back into to society. I did a fair amount of time in that world. And it was always interesting for me to have conversations with people saying, you know, well, when you're driving in the street and a street child comes into your car, what, how are you, how are you addressing that? Because, you know, there's this thing of like, whether it be white guilt or just uh, irritation at another person asking for a handout, how do you address that? So somebody comes to your car and are you going like, <sighs> so you're now actually just not even seeing them as a human being hmm. for whatever reason or has created the space that they are now in that position and some of them have run away from home some of them have run away from abusive homes some of them have gone looking for their parents in the city and ended up on the streets so then it was a question of trying to to say to people well can you just look at them and address them as a human being and then you know other friends of mine were saying yes you know I tried to give one food the other day and they just threw it on the street and I'm like did you ask them if they wanted the food and mm. they were like why would um, I was trying to do something good and I'm like I got that mm. but you're coming from what you think as opposed to saying if they come and they want money it's possibly they want it for drugs so your choice then is like no I'm not going to support that but if you it's then on them to be able to say yes I'm hungry enough to have that or no I want money okay no I don't have any money for you I'm not giving you money so it's it's kind of that was where the whole idea of this trying to let people kind of feel each other and, and start to, to care about one another again. And then also it led me to the fact that if our baseline, which is care and love for self, is, is completely out of, out of whack, then how do we love others? And how do we care about others? Because we're so busy trying to, to find others to, to create and mirror love for ourselves. So then it came back to the basics. And I often um, do these posts about you know, you're beautiful, you're amazing, you know, love yourself, Honopana. Mm -hmm. I'm a big advocate for Honopana because it's, mm -hmm. it's a powerful um, uh, mantra. And if we can start to this really- This is the Hawaiian prayer. Do you, want, really... do, you, do you want to share what that mantra is just for our, our listeners and viewers that don't know? Yeah, it's, um, um, I'm, so, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And this is something that um, you say to one yourself in the mirror. And you can say it quickly and you go, hey, oh, I get that. But when you're looking at yourself mm. and you're apologizing, you're saying, I'm sorry, please forgive me and thank you. And the biggest one, I love you. Because mm. we all come with so many scars and, and wounds that we're dealing with. And it's like, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. So to kind of get humankind to really start to see themselves and it's okay it's okay with all those wounds and all those 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 bruises and 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 life experiences you're still okay and you're lovable and you're beautiful just the way you are hmm. and then when you start to engage then we have so much energy the ripple of that hmm. then allows us to expand our emotional landscape to include others in it so it's it's really something i'm very passionate about yeah, I feel you. And that's really speaking to the energetic heart of Love and Truth Party, which is, and it's speaking to the heart of what we're titling our dialogue, you know, the universality and the uniqueness of the awakening, somehow how the individual and the personal ripples out into the collective. So when one nervous system, when one 
being is able to forgive themselves, to come into total love with themselves, then there is this uh, overflowing effect, this overwhelming in the best possible way effect of, of love that can now ripple out to others. So now, now we're able to not be seeking love in uh, our experiences with the street child knocking on the door or the or our relationship with our intimate partners or uh with the person at the checkout at, at the shop but rather we have we have love to to give to to to, to share and and from a from a non-dual immaterial perspective that is spreading out in the field of consciousness that that love is not localized in the heart of one individual, nor in the heart just of that other individual that we're connecting with, but it is actually in a very real and profound way connecting throughout the whole of humanity. So that this, I mean, I just really appreciate the way you are articulate that. Um, it's something simple and yet really profound as to what loving more might look like and how it might affect the world. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's also trying to find a way, however small or big that is for you, to, to be able to connect and give to another. Um, and it can happen in, in any small shape or form. And uh, the Love More movement, were, um, I then expanded it to, to try and create um, a few events and do things like we've done tree planting. Mm -hmm. And it was a huge success. We went into a, um, a, a kind of a community um, and a school and uh, very sort of empty grounds with no real growth or greenery and I got donations of trees and then did a call a call to 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 come and help um, on the love more movement and the kind of response was amazing and people really enjoyed to be able to come and do something and give back you know and they were there and it was a family day and people brought their kids and they were so it's that thing of also creating a platform and I think you know, there's so many people, everybody's sitting at home and, and going, oh, that's terrible. Well, what could I do about it? Because we all, we don't always know how, how, how can we help another? It, it seems like such a massive problem. And mm. it's a, like a little stone in the ocean. And it's not even worth doing because, you know, it's not going to create anything that's going to help in a, big, in a big way. Whereas if you're going, okay, well, here's a tree planting. Or, you know, there'd be a fire in a township and like just a whole bunch of shacks would just get taken out. And those people have their all their belongings in there and they're left with nothing. And they don't look like they don't have insurance. Mm -hmm. So then you go, okay, so now we're doing a collection. Mm -hmm. um, please, here's the, the drop-off places. Um, if anybody's got old clothing or pots or anything that you want to donate and we'd have a drop-off section. Mm -hmm. And also unifying ourselves with other organizations, like when there's something's going on saying, okay, how can we help? How can we back you up? And then offering our, you know, our assistance to that. We've also done a, quite a few um, love more because, you know, there's so many homeless people. So what we created is, you know, getting people to, again, put food together, like, you know, drop off, um, have drop off places where they can drop off old clothes and food and parcels and then getting, um, on boxing or the day before Christmas, everybody coming and we put together sandwich parcels and things. And then on Christmas day, going out onto the streets and distributing these, these food parcels. And it just expands your heart to a, an, another place completely. You're going and you're giving something and it's, it's something with, 
with love and something that another person needs. It's not that, oh, um, here's a watch that you've been wanting and, you know, it's actually they need food and, and actually meeting them and, and giving them a hug and connecting with them and making them feel like they, they matter in the world. So it's all that kind of thing. It's, it's giving a platform to people to find something that they can do mm. because everybody can do something, whether it be a financial donation or clothes or food or whatever that is. Right. And there's a, there's a key point in that from my hearing, which is around the joy of giving or that in giving we receive to place it in the terms of St. Francis of Assisi. And yeah. on Love and Truth Party, we uh, have this uh, little showcase. It's called the joy of giving, pointing people to charities to give and support these organizations, not from the sense of they need your support, though they do, but rather to give to these organizations gives you the experience of joy. I've, I've worked in fundraising or I did work in fundraising for a few decades. And that was always my experience was that if I give money to a charity, I feel good about it. I'm, I'm actually gaining um, by giving to an organization. I, I can't do a cataract operation for a child in Nepal. Uh, either I'm not there and I don't have the training or the capacity. Um, I can't feed a child in uh, South Africa or whatever it might be. But there are organizations out there doing that. And my privilege and opportunity is having the capacity to give the financial means to facilitate that connection. And I, I, I gain from that. And that's really so simple, but so profound if we imagine a world where more and more individuals, rather than worrying about getting the next big car or getting themselves financially secure or getting more than enough for themselves shifted to a focus where it was about how much can I give? How much can I serve? In, in the knowing that that's ultimately the most fulfilling and meaningful experience that a human being can, can have upon planet Earth, I, I suggest. Um, yeah, that, that's always when I felt most jazzed and inspired and excited is when I'm positively affecting other people in a way that I can somehow know and discern. Well, I think it creates a ripple effect, you know, when you're doing it and if you're giving from the heart, um, there's such a, a beauty that comes from that. And just that in its purity in its purest form is what can inspire another person and bring joy to somebody that you are giving to. And in that, just the reflection of that, it, it, kind of what you what you sow so you reap you just feel good about it you know mm. it's 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 the, uh, the law of the universe that's mm. that's how it works um however i do find that we are challenged with all of this um in these times because it's kind of really leveled the playing fields on a, on a lot of ways and a lot of the more fortunate have now been brought down and they're hanging on and they they're doing this as opposed to allowing the flow to happen. So mm -hmm. it comes, it comes with a, a lot of fear of, you know, losing out on their homes, their way of life, because their livelihood has been challenged. And a lot of people up and leaving the country because they're feeling like there's got to be better opportunity elsewhere when our government's so corrupt and they're not feeling safe here. So there's a lot of movement in this way that doesn't always pay off and it isn't always to the highest, you know, good, which is unfortunate. Um, and when you actually are going out, the fact that we're all kind of greeting each other like this these days, mm -hmm. 
it's it's disconnecting you know it's disconnecting to to not be able to see somebody smile at you um i had a, a situation the other day where i was walking across a pedestrian crossing and i had a, a mask on i was on set and i had, was required to wear it and i had a mask on i was on my own i was walking across and this woman came to stop and i kind of smiled at her like you know you usually would i mean like and then i realized well she's not going to see me going because and i mouth thank you and then I was like, well, she's not. And I had to stop and go, thank you. And it's my hand because now the usual doesn't, isn't being seen. So between the smile and the thank yous and stuff, we don't have that. So the disconnect is really real. And it means that we have to really dig deep to find that place and still be able to share on another level and not shut ourselves down. I think that's so, so important for us now. Some, something that comes up as you speak to that is the way that we smile through our eyes. So of course we recognize the, the, the smile, the curvature of the lips and the movement of the cheeks and so on. But there's also a, a glistening in the eyes. And of course there's the movement. So there, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of inspired now to put this to the test and like how often when I smile at someone with an open heartedness, trusting that they'll receive it, it is received and that, that's like that's almost like a, a sort of refined body language training right like have they have they picked that up and it's it's certainly difficult in my experience like have have they are they feeling the love that's here are they are they are they giving it back um definitely we're, we're reduced significantly with our data from a visual perspective that's being given but there is still plenty of data there from the eyes and we know from our vibrational communication as well from our heart rate variability and the energetic frequency that that gives out into the world so um you know maybe in that uh, I've got a lot to say about masks. I think wearing them in the open air um, is, is absolutely nonsensical. There's no public health rationale for it in, here in Victoria and mandating it is causing more harm than it's doing good. But clearly in a, in a, uh, a small enclosed environment with limited air circulation, um, certainly if you've got COVID, yeah, wear a mask. Um, and at the same time, I'm wondering if the opportunity in that that we're exploring, perhaps if it's not too much giving a positive lens to something that's quite challenging on a number of levels, is to develop the capacity for a deeper level of communication. We talk about nonverbal communication here. This is even maybe non-visual communication. So it's about feeling and tapping into the presence and the energy of people around us. Yes, absolutely. I I think, though, that you have to kind of work harder for people that haven't been doing that work and aren't that much harder. Um, and just going on the mask thing, uh, it's been very interesting to see, you know, there's a lot of, obviously, any public place that you go, especially, I'm talking shops and supermarkets and stuff like that, there's the big signs, like no mask, no entry, all of that kind of thing. So people are being respectful and wearing the masks and where they are in those, those places. But I live very close to the beach, like 15 steps away from the beach, fortunately, and I'm always amazed when I go down, you know, like I used to always wear a buff so that if I needed to, I could bring it up if, you know, somebody was closed and they felt uncomfortable or whatever that is. It's kind of almost wearing it for somebody else. Mm -hmm. And, um, but when, when now, when you go down, like I don't wear it, I'll have something if I need to, but I'm not wearing it. And I'm looking around me and everybody's not wearing it. You know, it's like, we're all out on the beach. No, we're not wearing a mask. 
you know, around each other. And then it's almost like people are so much more keen to, to kind of connect and look at each other and smile. You know, when I go for my morning walk, you know, somebody will walk down, they're like, hi, whether it be, you know, the, the paid dog walker or, you know, the, the, the woman walking her dog, people are like looking at each other. I mean, South Africa has always been kind of, it's almost a, a safety thing as well. You know, you have to be clocking everybody. You can't just go in your own world and not be aware. So <laughs> it's a double, double sword like that one, because one part of you is like, oh, hey, you're seeing people, you're like, okay, what's the threat level? <laughs> mm. But it is very much now with people when they, they have the opportunity not to wear the mask, there is more uh, leaning towards a greeting with each other, which is which is really, I think, necessary. Um, but also the the what you were saying that the the the, the contact. Um, mm. I was recently on a job and I was in the production office and uh, the um, the first AD kind of came in and he was full energy and he just coming out of a meeting with the conference and he saw me and he was like, oh, "Hi!" and then he came up like, and then he went like, and I'm like come on. And then he came in and I, I gave him like a proper hug and we were like holding each other for a, a while. And he broke away such a beautiful hug. I really, I really needed that. And, mm. and he was like, I, and he got emotional and he said, I've got goose flesh. He said, just give me a second to pull myself. And I, I thought, sure. How many of us are experiencing that where we're mm. not able to have that, you know, before it's with friends and, and everybody now it's like, Oh, well, I don't want to in, intrude into your personal space and, and offer that up. But my kind of leaning is always to kind of hug and hold somebody and really just energetically give them some love on a physical plane because we can we can share love from like smiling and connecting and you know trying it on an energy level. But there's nothing nothing beats and there's scientific proof that that physical mm -hmm. contact is something that is so powerful and healing. So I think that in itself is is really it's it's quite challenging not to be able to do that with one another. Yeah, I mean, I prior to the pandemic, one of the things I try and encourage is what you're communicating really, which is that on the one hand, uh, a proper hug does actually take a duration of time. It lasts maybe 15 seconds or so. And that's what the science shows is what facilitates the oxytocin release and a you know, biochemical transformation of the physiology as a consequence of that. And also thus to do more of that, to to, to hug more. So I, I lead workshops and I'll say at the end, I am a hugger. And uh, if anyone feels called cool to connect and hug, I'd be very open to that. However, be know, uh, know, know that that does take a few seconds. It's not just a, you know, a chest bump and moving away. That's not a hug. It does require, does require a little bit of vulnerability. Uh, it's like the sort of man hug often. Yeah. I've got a friend who I'm still kind of educating through experience into what a real hug is like. And he, he's got better over the 20 years that I've known him, but I think he can still do a little bit of, a little bit of coaching. And as you say, there's, that need was already there there's already in workplaces, yeah. for example, a sort of stigmatizing of any touch whatsoever as, as part of an intelligent you know, sort of reaction against um, abuse and so on. And yet the pandemic has just accentuated that to the extent that I imagine many of us are like that, that are sort of feeling starved and depleted in that human connection. And as it starts to open up, I, I can well imagine many people might have an experience akin to that gentleman's of like, wow, yeah, I, I needed that. Um, yeah, I, I went into another, um, I'm very blessed to, South Africa is one of the few countries that's 
really up and running with the film industry as well. And we're doing a lot of uh, um, remote shooting so that directors from other, other countries are on Zoom and, you know, they've got picture and they're able to, to, to direct like that. But I'm also on a, a local TV, Netflix TV series and um, the cast I'd worked with before. And I went to a meeting and they were, they were there and they were so excited to see me. And they've obviously also been told because you've got to get that cast they can't afford to get sick because the whole production will then come to a grinding halt. There's a lot of money on the line. So they've obviously been schooled in this way that, you know, you guys, you've you got to keep social distancing. So it was really interesting. They're really young as well. They're not like older experienced actors. And they, the, their first inclination to see me was like, oh, it's you. And then like coming and, and, and going into a hug and then feeling like awkward. Oh, I shouldn't. And one, one guy was like, Hey, um, I don't know who's looking, so I'm just going to do the old elbow thing. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, so it, it's really bringing people into that second guessing themselves and their natural instinct to to want to connect. And then, uh, you know, so it, it's for me, it's really quite um, a struggle and challenge that we are in these times. And like you were saying, and I think you're right at the beginning, it's like our immune systems have to kick in and people are, you know, they're learning to, to, Kind of treat people in a, a a better way and unless certain things that are they're going to be hit worse than others i've had a lot of um and i mean that's a whole other conversation about people coming through you know that had, having had the virus and it hadn't been so bad and then other people having had it really been bad so i think there's just fear and our, unfortunately our governments because they don't know how else to deal and the only way to control people is through fear. It's a sad reality, but if they can make people scared enough and then put rules and regulations on the table and say, you're going to die unless you follow these rules. And people are like, I, I don't want to die. Okay, what do you want me to do? So, and then the, the, the flip side of that is there's, like we were speaking about this awakening and people are going, no, wait a minute. You're, you, you're taking away certain rights and we don't believe that this is the way forward. It's, it's socially... Um, really having an impact if you're looking at youngsters going to school not being able to have proper contact with their, their I mean these are their formative years of development these are the people we want to 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 grow up to be compassionate loving leaders and we're already isolating them in these boxes and saying you can't touch others and now it's like that it has an impact and it's going to have a long-term impact which is something that we really need to, to bear, bear in mind, especially when it comes to children. And there's a, a, a wider questioning or invitation in that, because what it's pointing to is a general ignorance in our healthcare systems and in our government systems of the importance, the physiological importance of, of love, of, of connection. And it's, and, and the, the, the negative effects of, of fear. I mean, as you recognize or point to, it's uh, to activate fear, to activate the limbic system in an individual's brain. And if you can do both at once to activate guilt or, or self-loathing in that individual, mm -hmm. these are the tried and tested ways of manufacturing consent, of herding people in a certain direction, there are countless examples throughout history of that being the case that uh, 
large numbers of people have done unthinkable things, largely because they've had this sort of hysteria, this mass hysteria, and this personalized, unique, in their physiology at that time, activation of their limbic system, their fight and flight system, such that they make decisions which are irrational and without justification. And I, on, on, on that sort of, with that context in mind, the, the, the capacity and cultivating our capacity to, to love in this time, in this time especially, in 2020, the year of all years, feels so important to balance our own nervous systems and to learn to integrate our own anxieties and traumas and so on and to bring presence, to bring love into our interactions, knowing that in that interaction, though it may be apparently localized to a space between two people on one corner of the world or two people on two different corners of the world communicating via zoom <laughs> in the field that is a, a harmonic that is a vibration that is a reality that goes out and makes the world a little bit less insane a little bit less fearful um yeah. which is kind of exciting to to be on the planet at this time with this sort of scientific understanding actually being grasped by more and more people that we are interconnected physiological beings and interconnected via immaterial energetic fields as well and that as we were touching on earlier our individual awakening is a profound service to that collective to that uh, to that field yes yeah absolutely i i mean i over this period of time i've been connecting with so many of my very dear friends from all over the world be it the uk portugal australia it's it's been really fabulous to to kind of put out that that call and 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 have a zoom connect call whereas before it was kind of understood you're on that side i'm here you get on with yours we'll we'll catch up when we catch up now it's been kind of a more regular thing checking mm -hmm. in how are you doing how are things going there because obviously you you know read i don't really read newspapers and listen to news for me it's like you know propaganda and what's what's coming up so mm -hmm. i'm very choosy about where i get my information and i'd rather get it from somebody on on you know in that on real situation yeah yeah i just feel like in these times as well we really need to become more present for one another and show up you know like at the beginning of our lockdown i got there were so many whatsapp groups and there were so many zoom little meetings and things happening and then as the lockdown got extended i saw people retreating and kind of pulling more in in one element for me it was like the positive of that was when you when you can't go without go within and i know that a lot of people were challenged and really having to face demons because they they're not um able to distract themselves anymore like i'm just gonna go out and see stones or i'm just gonna go and have lunch with my cousin or any of those things that would usually be a distraction from well i have to just deal with what's coming up for me right now <laughs> they were forced to kind of go within um, and then as as that time is absolutely and now as that time has kind of been extended what i felt is like a lot of people got found themselves adrift in that mm -hmm. vortex and uh, there's a kind of loneliness that I feel has, has started to, to, to ripple out. So um, from my own personal um, experiences of what I've been doing is in that I'm, I'm just 
randomly phoning people that I know and checking in and like, you know, if I need to give a little coaching session to just do a pickup and, you know, seeing that they're okay. And like, if there's anything that I can offer and support it might not be financial because I'm not in that position, but if I can offer support in, you got this and any tools that I can offer up. So I think it's so important that we do show up for each other, for family, for people that we, you know, like, oh, they're always okay. Like they're fine. They may not be. Mm-hmm. So if you can, again, push out, love more and, and, and contact others and just check in, Hey, how are you doing? It doesn't mean that you're going to get a bad of like, you know, answer, but check in, they will appreciate it. They will feel the love because you might not be able to get to them to give them that hug, but listen, picking up the phone and saying hi and saying, I like, I just, I've been thinking about you. It's like, it makes you feel good. Like, wow, you mm. know, you, you, you're phoning me direct. It's not just a random message or a, um, a group thing. So I, I think we really need to, to push that more with each other and be aware that if you're dealing and you're struggling with something, then somebody else is equally or even more, do, you know, having a, a challenge. And especially if they don't have the t- your circles and like my circle of, of, of people are quite connected. They're quite conscious they're quite um, able to deal in the things that come up for them. If you take that out to a circle, mm, kind of 50-50, not maybe as much tools, and then I take it out to another circle, those people are struggling. They're struggling with the because there's emotions and feelings and things that are coming out. So I really think it's time for us to, to extend our, our global family and our universal family and, and connect with one another from the heart and see how we can offer support and love. I'm just going to uh, read because what you're evoking is so much of what Albert Einstein was evoking many years ago. So this is one of our love letters from the universe with love and truth party. And Albert Einstein wrote uh, a human being as part of the whole called by us universe, a part limited in time and space. We experience ourself, our thoughts and feeling as something separate from the rest, a kind of optical delusion of consciousness. This delusion is a kind of prison restricting us to our personal desires and to affection for a few persons nearest to us. Our task must be to free ourselves from this prison by widening our circle of compassion to embrace all living creatures and the whole of nature in its beauty. The most important, and this is another quote that I've sort of tagged onto this because it feels like they were kind of related. The most important question facing humanity is, is the universe a friendly place? And so that widening the circle of compassion feels like what you're encouraging and inspiring and love more movement is pointing us to. And at a time of greater anxiety and fear and apparent disconnection, it feels even more important to be showing up in that way. And I'm just moved as well. Like I, I know in, in Blessed With A Brain Tumor, I, I have this very same thing. I invite people to take that action, to, to call someone, not just text or message, but call someone and express your care and love for them in the knowing that we gain through that, that in, in, in giving, we experience the receptivity. We, we, we give love and we, receive love in the same moment absolutely i mean i think that's a it is something that if we can actually just get that we're going to get it's that that um as you as you let go of and flow out with love so that love will flow back and top you up um and i think 
the real awareness of that means that you don't have to fear, well, I just don't have any more to give. We always have more to give. There's always more in, in, in our vessels to, to be able to give. The, our, our capacity for love is immense, you know, like there's such incredible feel-good stories of people going above and beyond just to help the other. And, and we are capable of immense compassion and love and understanding with one another. So yeah, that's for me is, is, is exquisite. And, and also, you know, we don't have to just give it and I will receive it from others. You know, sometimes I get to a point where I'm feeling a little bit like uh, there's just so much going on and there's the, you know, the walls feel a little bit closing in and then I kind of just get myself into nature and I might just walk down to the beach and just sit there and just breathe and breathe and allow that to top me up. So you know, nature has also a way of giving us incredible support and love if we allow it just to ground ourselves and to receive. And then we can go, okay, I'm topped up. Let's go. Yeah, I love I love that as a, <laughs> as, a as a call to action for everyone listening and watching. If that hasn't been something in your last, you know, 24, 48 hours to get out and appreciate the beauty, uh, hug a tree, take your shoes and socks off, connect with the earth and receive. We, we are effortlessly receiving the vibrational frequency of well-being from Mother Earth when we stand upon her without any intervening materials. So uh, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, a very scientific, spiritual, hippie, rational thing to do to walk upon the earth put your hands upon the earth sit upon the earth and breathe you know, i just love the simplicity of that to take a few conscious breaths we're constantly being breathed and one of our extraordinary capacities in many respects is to consciously receive a breath right so it's happening by itself we are being breathed which is a kind of miracle to worth worth beholding mm -hmm. but also to then notice that we can actually take the opportunity to breathe more deeply to feel and receive that breath more deeply and consciously and of course physiologically we know that restores the nervous system to balance the quickest possible way so um yeah breathing loving being well it will just the, the, the actual, um, one of the tools that I offer up often to people when they're dealing and they're struggling and is I'm like, it takes three deep breaths in and out, three, mm -hmm. to change your energetic like space. So, you know, if you're ever feeling in that panic mode, if you're ever feeling in the fear mode, it's like, if you allow yourself to go like this, you're tightening up your lungs and you're actually tensioning your so shoulders and you're not allowing, it's just all held here. But if you just allow yourself those three breaths, it doesn't matter if you're in an office environment, it doesn't matter if you're at home, if you're in your car, wherever that is, just to stop yourself from that and just take that breath. Just that one breath. And if you follow it with two others, the, the immediate, immediately, it's immediate, there's a shift. It's just a shift and a gentle energy that comes in to hold you. Yeah. I mean, I so wholeheartedly endorse that and recently had the experience of that being 
pertinent in my own experience. I occasionally have these altered states of consciousness, uh, particularly if I'm exercising hard and it feels like I'm about to have a seizure. So I found myself, I've just moved to this beautiful place up in the, in the trees and I found myself on my first night here, uh, perhaps run a little bit too hard up and down the hills and I got down upon the earth, not because I was wanting to connect, with, although, although I was, but more compelled to, because <laughs> if I was going to have a seizure, being on the floor is a great place to have a seizure. And then that's what I've learned is, is the breathing. So there's this surrender and being breathed, but breathing more deeply, just as you've described. And so far, touch wood, that has allowed me to avoid having any grand mal seizures for about 10 years. So this is a, a very practical... Wow response to anxiety or overwhelm in, in the nervous system. And I think, yeah, it's, it's exactly that. And for, for a lot of us that know about it, because it feels like it's not so well known, mm. <laughs> that just making it their practice that at least a couple of times during the course of their day, they're going to, to uh, like have this breath uh, work that they do for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, a friend of mine does it with her little, her, her small children. And it's so interesting because when they get like, and they get themselves so caught up and then they, before they, they're very close to that hysteria, which they can't control. They're still not in control of their emotional um, uh, mm -hmm. out like of energy. They just kind of want to get freaked out and cry and hysterical. Mm -hmm. She goes, just breathe, just breathe. And, like, <laughs> and then just, watching it with children how when they because now they've got to focus on something different and it just yes. changes the brain and then I was looking at it I was like oh that's what it is it's tricking the brain because our brains are these these fantastic like machines that just keep it all together and we don't always acknowledge how amazing it is but the mind can really wreak havoc on us at the same time and if you can trick the mind for that thing of like no we're focusing on our breath and we're just going to be about oh breath use but, but just the breath and just slowing that whole process down. I mean, that's kind of the baseline for meditation. You know, people go, oh, I can't meditate. It's like, yes, because you haven't trained your mind to actually just slow down and not let that chatter constantly affect you because the chatter is what like, takes us out of ourselves and brings about panic and fear and, and all of these things. So the breath, just the three, like just the three, Try and do it a couple of times a day and you get that practice and it's just such a gift. Um, and another little amazing thing, I'm, I'm not sure you are aware of this. I'm sure you, you, you've heard this, but when one is feeling a little bit kind of down or out or feeling a little bit sad, laughter. So the brain cannot tell the difference between fake and real laughter. It, it doesn't know that you're faking it. So when you're feeling blue and you just fake laugh, it still releases those endorphins because it's going to make you feel better. So <laughs> these are these little things that one needs to have in one's bag. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, it, and it's, of course, true of a smile. We know that even just doing this with, even if it's sort of through gritted teeth for the first moment or a few, <laughs> has a neurological <laughs> impact. And the laughter thing I, reminds me of a friend, Virgie, and, the UK who teaches laughter yoga, that's his thing. So that feels like two really profound little takeaways for people, very practical measures. If you, if you can't meditate, you need to practice. The easiest way is three deep breaths right now. That is a little mini meditation and don't take it all so seriously. Get the comedy out, have a, have a laugh with your friends. Laugh more. Yeah, love, love more. Love more and love, love more. more.
Woo-woo! I'm in, I'm in full support of both those movements on a daily basis. <laughs> mm. <laughs> we just like phone people up and say, we're going to have a laughter ceremony. Like, what? What's that? And you just bring it on and we just start laughing with each other. I think it's, uh, it's the way forward, Will. We're going to start laughter workshops. I think, I think we could be onto something here. Laugh, <laughs> laughter ceremonies, yeah. <laughs> Teaching people how to breathe. I'm feeling life. better. Right. I'm feeling energized. <laughs> with, uh, dialogue. So thank you. <laughs> it's a pleasure. I, I really appreciate you and I really appreciate you taking the time to, to, to take some time out of your day to, to be in dialogue. And I'm looking forward to sharing you and, and our conversation with, uh, with our viewers and listeners. Thank you for being with us. I'm looking forward to being shared, Will. <laughs> you <laughs> <be> put. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, thank you so much again for creating the space and for sharing um, and getting the word out there because I think it's uh, more people like you are creating a global change for people to, you know, a place where they can go and get information and get some wisdom and understanding and tools and whatever that looks like, you know, they'll take whatever they want to out of these, these conversations. And um, yeah, so much appreciation to you for, for creating them. Mm, great pleasure and joy. Thank you for speaking to that, Kim. And thank you to all of our listeners and viewers for joining us for this edition of the Truth Lover. You can visit loveandtruthparty.org to join our community, download or order love letters, register for our newsletter, and of course, connect on social media, and even consider a financial gift at loveandtruthparty.org. Thank you to all our supporters and contributors. Together, we are creating kind, conscious, courageous human community.